Thank you so much, Millie, for the invitation. Uh, and I'm so happy to be speaking with you all. And Jenny, thank you so much for basically teeing up what I'm going to be talking about today, which is the algorithmic bias bounty that we held at Twitter. Um, and broadly, sort of some thoughts on, you know, from the industry side, uh, the ability to and limitations of doing more open data sharing and, ex and, uh, and experimentation. So first I want to acknowledge that inevitably when one sits with an industry, there is a power dynamic that needs to be acknowledged, right? I, I think um, sometimes what happens is a lot of these narratives sort of act as if we are all equals on this playing field. And I just wanna start off by recognizing by, that by, you know, even though, even if I am leading the ML ethics team and I'm not necessarily, you know, owner of some major product uh, at Twitter, um, you know, there's an inherent power dynamic that exists from being on the inside of industry and then working with folks out, uh, who sit outside industry. Um, and that needs to be understood and respected in how we craft and construct our notions of experimentalism as, uh, as Jenny very astutely pointed out. And often the lack of understanding of that power dynamic is what leads to experimenting on people rather than sort of experimentation as a collaborative scientific inquiry. Um, so the algorithmic bias bounty was actually an idea that was seated in my brain probably about three years ago um, when I was at DEF CON. And if you are unfamiliar with the hacker community, DEF CON is the big hacker conference um, going back decades. Um, and security, vulnerability, bug bounties are actually quite a common practice. Um, and the history of those are quite interesting. And, you know, the, and Millie, I'm glad you brought up legalities and, you know, bringing up uh, and understanding issues of privacy, liability, et cetera, are quite important when we're thinking about, you know, how we take a project like this and move it forward into something bigger. Um, so in the spirit of experimentalism, I, I do want to say that the bias bounty was in sense an experiment. Uh, what were we testing? So first, when we want to understand the impact of uh, any technology, and again, being an industry, being at Twitter, we're talking about social media algorithms, on the public, you know, teams like mine can only tackle and understand so much. I fully recognize that my team, um, you know, is constructed of people who are largely educated in, uh, you know, um, higher education institutions. My team is global. Um, however, I recognize that we, we, we lack representation um, in, in some aspects. Also, you know, there are time limitations, sort of scope limitations to conducting a project, and this goes for any project. We always balance what we are able to accomplish uh, in the time that we have, especially when talking about something as broad and hard-hitting as algorithmic bias. Um, so the way the bias bounty was constructed, we worked with an organization called HackerOne, um, which has traditionally held Twitter's vulnerability bounties and security. So we already had a platform that had handled uh, a lot of, you know, hosting and the uh, personal information, security, um, you know, all of the stuff that would probably take, you know, hours and hours for us to discuss. Uh, HackerOne has sort of handled the logistics of these sort of competitions before. Um, we actually utilized an algorithm that had been in use at Twitter at one point, but we were slowly phasing out. If you are familiar with our image popping algorithm, um, the short version of the story is a little, uh, actually we're hitting on the, on the one year anniversary now of when uh, folks on Twitter 
identified that there seemed to be a bias based on race, um, where images of white people were preferred over black people in an algorithm that chose how to crop your, your images for you when you posted it on Twitter. Uh, other folks similarly pointed out that it seemed to crop women um, in different places than men, leading to something that's called the male gaze. Um, and my team at Twitter, the meta team, tested this algorithm for bias and found that indeed uh, there did seem to be bias based on those two lenses. Now again, when we talk about limited scope, we only tested uh, race and gender. We limited each to two uh, in, in a nod to uh, Millie's opening about left hand of darkness. Um, you know, we, and we had to create these constructs in order to sort of do the homework in, in one sense. But we knew that our work was not done. And we knew that identification of bias based on these frankly quite limited constructs, which we acknowledge in our paper, um, you know, would not be sufficient. And we wanted to utilize this moment as an experiment in collaborative auditing. And what we did was we set up an algorithmic bounty, what my team produced, um, and in collaboration with um, some really wonderful judges who helped us judge the final competition, uh, was created a rubric. Um, and there, so there, there are a couple of desired outcomes in the bias bounty. One is to get perspectives from individuals who traditionally don't have a venue for sharing their perspectives. Um, as we saw with the initial bias identification, sometimes these things are viral and they go viral on Twitter. One of the things that stood out to me quite a bit, and this you know, predates me being at Twitter, uh, my observation of how Twitter handled the bias identification on social media, uh, was that Twitter was a very open company in talking to the individuals and working with the individuals who had identified the bias in the platform. And that's not always the case. So you know, the barrier to entry uh, exists and we wanted to reduce that barrier to entry to interacting with an algorithm and interacting with a company and providing structured and useful feedback. Uh, the second is that you know we wanted to compensate people for their work and for their labor. It is noble that plenty of people take to social media uh, or write blog posts um, or do plenty of other work. There's a lot of great GitHub repos as well, but I do want to recognize that not compensating this work also leads to a bias, even if it is in the quote public sphere. One thing we wanted to do was, was create a structured program for compensating folks for identifying biases that we would not or maybe could not have identified on our own. And the third is actually to start creating bottom-up standards and governance. So important to this idea of experimentation, the notion of the scientific experiment uh, is actually you know, structured experimentation. So again, uh, you know, back to sort of a widespread, very open way that things are happening today. There are many different approaches for identifying biases. Um, you know, some of them may not actually be useful or usable. Um, what might be the most effective way? So in doing, in, in creating this bias bounty, we actually created a structured rubric. Our rubric uh, enumerated the kinds of harms specifically around representational harms. Why is this important? Two reasons. One is as policy enters a world of uh, mandating audits, what I see as a practitioner is very few definitions of what an audit entails. And that leads to a very um, uh, you know, disconnected view, maybe from between expectation and reality, but also very dangerously, the possibility of political capture and regulatory capture, where companies get to define what an audit entails, what they decide to share and how they decide to share it. Um, the other thing I worry about is top-down governance, where 
you know, folks like frankly myself and maybe a lot of the people in this room are invited into special secret rooms where we get to decide what algorithmic ethics is and then bestow upon the rest of the world what we have decided algorithmic ethics is. Uh, instead, we want we we have asked for and have received feedback on our rubric and we will utilize uh, understand that feedback, implement it accordingly, um, and also be able to use this rubric in our work at Twitter. So again, collaborative effort, community effort, bottom-up effort in order to enable experimentation. Uh, in the interest of time, I will talk a little bit through, you know, what is the outcome and what's next? So the outcome was, you know, frankly, we were thrilled um, with the outcome. I, you know, I, our CTO, Farag Agarwal, asked me what my biggest fear was about the bias bounty. And I said, I was worried nobody would show up to our party. I was worried that with one week to do the competition and with no precedent for ever having done something like this, people would not understand what to do or they would not be engaged uh, or we, you know, we just would not get things that were useful or usable and maybe we'd just get a bunch of trolls. Far from it, in a week we received 31 excellent and viable um, results to the, the competition, um, many from 10 plus countries, which is something I'm particularly proud of. We made it a point to make all prize winners uh, you know, able to be from any country, um, which speaking of, you know, legalities, that's something interesting to talk about and reflect on. Uh, our top prize winners ranged from PhD students um, who created deep, like custom deep neural net models to hack the algorithm and break it, to citizen data scientists um, who padded images with pixels in order to hack the algorithm. So I, I you know, I note those um, and because one important part of experiment, uh, you know, sort of collaborative and public experimentation, um, again, as I mentioned earlier, with reducing barriers to entry, one is just the ability to understand and access these technologies. If we are going to ask people to work with us to identify harms or biases or build rubrics, how do we make the knowledge more accessible or the ability to do the task more accessible? So we're really happy to see a wide range of folks, not just geographically, but also um, you know, in terms of who they were, everyone from students to startups to big corporations uh, and also differing levels of skill and ability with technology. Again, uh, doing everything from creating custom deep neural networks to simply you know, the simplest hack in the world, which would be going into Photoshop and putting in a couple of pixels that were untraceable and undetectable. So what's next? Um, and, and I'm really happy to have this forum to be able to talk about it. This is a project, you know, and again, in the, in the uh, you know, spirit of experimentalism, I will say that the algorithmic bias bounty, again, was an experiment and it was a successful one. What I would like to do moving forward is create a public group. Um, this would not be owned by Twitter or run by Twitter. I don't want it to be run or owned by any company or any organization, frankly. Uh, I would, I'm you know, actively seeking partners to work on creating a uh, public community to enable bias bounties. Uh, this would involve you know, companies, nonprofits, civil society, governments, uh, and we would create both the uh, bottom-up governance to be able to audit and assess algorithms, but also the, the ability and the environment for companies and corporations to safely share their algorithms, share their data, and interact with folks, again, in a, in a structured and useful and helpful manner so that we're getting the feedback that we need to improve the systems that we're building. Um, so that would be it for me. Thank you so much. And Millie, thank you so much again, um, you know, for, for the audience and the platform. Looking forward to the discussion.